What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We are back with a Carolina primetime preview, one of our favorite meets on Two White Lights, a meet that is very close to our hearts here on Two White Lights. We give the previews, we give our predictions, we give our analysis for what is going to be a fantastic meet. So you have pro lifters competing, but it is one of our very first pro qualifier meet so we've seen it at the Arnold but now it's at the local level and it's only necessary that Carolina primetime has the first one so we really do our predictions based on who we think is going to win but also the importance is kind of lying on who's going to get their pro card men and female best lifter who is not a pro card holder is going to get their pro card at this meet so lots to be excited about we also talk a little bit about the USAPL uh, international stuff that we've been seeing. Uh, Steve has been burning on a few things there, so he gets his grievances out. And also, we talk about Austin Perkins. The Austin era is upon us, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to coin it the Austin era, not the Perk era. And I explain why on the podcast, but we talk about him. We talk about his massive performance and, you know, in comparison with Taylor Atwood, comparison with other greats in the sport, some side debates uh, that go along with that. Steve shares a commercial gym story and arguably one of the best Easter eggs at the end of the episode of someone who could possibly win Carolina primetime who uh, it was not even discussed during our initial conversation. So really great episode. It's been a long time. We apologize for delay, you know, school year wrapping up, Steve on vacation. You know, we take our breaks on two white lights and, you know, we're, we might have a change in the format soon, but we are on summer break right now. So we will have the content going for our listeners, our loyal listeners. And if you are a loyal listener, you get to the Two White Light Shop and get yourself some merchandise. We got some new merchandise. We got the uh, the Two White Light University tees. We got our classic stuff, the bad journalism, the, uh, the off-the-top rope stuff, the fight night stuff. We got it all. Use that promo code. Use pro- uh, our, the promo codes that all of our athletes have. We have a ton of athletes that can give you some great promo codes. Make sure you guys are buying some merchandise. Also, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on F- Spotify. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a five-star review on both. And... Without further ado, here it is. Two white lights. Oh, baby, I like it, bro. Yeah, baby, I like it, bro. Oh, baby, I like it, bro. Yeah, baby, I like it, bro. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yeah. Give me the mic so I can take it away. Off on the natural charge, bone for yards. Yeah, from the home of the Dodger Brooklyn squad. Who tank killer bees on the swamp? Rain on your college ass disco bomb. Will you even touch my skill? You gotta go to one killer bee, and he ain't gonna kill now. Chop that down, pass it all around. Lyrics get hard, quick cement to the ground. For the MC and anything you do, And as promised, we are here finally. It's been a long time. Not just the three of us, because we got Solana and Steve, which means it's preview time, but just in two white lights in general. We've been busy. Yeah, it gets me back. Been a while. When's the last time we even were together? What was the last preview show or recap? Arnold? Arnold's? Yeah. Arnold. Wow. I think it was the Arnold. Yeah, Yeah, and and Steve reunited with me, I guess, because... he was on vacation, and I was finishing up a school year. So we both, I think, have more free time than ever. So hopefully we get more Two Eye Lights episodes out to the people. 
Yes, sir. It's be a good time. Yeah, and bringing it back, we... bringing back an episode, we got a preview with a Two White Lights classic. Uh, Carolina Primetime is a meet that we have close to our hearts. I always bring up the story when Steve did Midwest Primetime. I actually, I actually found it, Steve. Check it out. Oh, nice. For the, for the viewers. Oh. Yeah, Midwest Primetime Best Male Lifter banner uh, is in the background. Now, everyone is bullying me for my background uh, or my room being really messy. Um, so I had to like somewhat spruce it up and decorate a little bit. I didn't do much aside from just put signs and shit over the boxes that I have and, you know, just made, made my bed. That's pretty much it and got rid of the dirty clothes. But yeah, I remember Midwest primetime, Marshall came up to me at Surge. He was doing work in Illinois. He says he listens to the podcast, loves the podcast. He loved Midwest primetime and that influenced him to do Carolina primetime. And we're on the third Carolina primetime, two-time local meet of the year, looking for its third title this year. And from my understanding, it's going to be the last Carolina primetime. Yes, it makes me a little sad that's going to be the last one. But that means there's more things to come. And I'm super stoked about it because we have a nice little roster going. And this year, it's a pro card. It's a pro meet. Mm-hmm. It's not just a regular you know, primetime meet. It's a pro meet. So, well, it's a pro qualifier. Enough, it was a pro, pro card, pro invitation. What's the word for it? Not pro, pro qualifier. Pro qualifier. Because last pro year was a pro meet. But yeah, funny enough, last year it was a pro meet, but not a real pro meet. The weird stipulation pro meet that USAPL didn't even realize they had. Yeah. Yeah. Which it like, actually it is a pro meet again because of the prize money. I yeah. Technically, it's still a pro, pro meet, meet. But the cool part about this meet in particular is. It's our pro qualifier. So highest non-pro lifter uh, with the highest dots gets a pro card at this meet. And this is something I think we, we wanted for a really long time when talking about these uh, pro uh, the pro series in USAPL, our local meets having pro qualifiers because there's so many strong people in so many different regions and so many different states. And we know we have awesome meet directors in the USAPL that can run a really great, highly organized meets with a lot of production value and you want people to be motivated to do the meet and here you here you have it. You got a pro you got a pro qualifier. Yep, I'm really so yeah, excited. So, Good. I was just gonna say, like you said, it's it's the we had our first pro qualifier at the Arnold, but this is really the first one of like what the whole system was set up where we had the local meets, we're gonna have TBS and we'll eventually have the that meet in is it Vegas? But yep. Yeah. Solana, Solana, I think you, do you care about this meet at all? Are you going to be in attendance? <laughs> I'm competing in it. So that's oh, exciting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I read it. I, I read that. I, I read the name wrong. I didn't even realize that was you. I thought that was someone else. <laughs> yeah. My name's pretty common, you know? Yeah. I know a lot of Solana. I, 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 I just thought it was someone who was really into crypto and had a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, last year, I had such FOMO watching this meet. I watched the whole live stream, and I was like, I wish I was there, because, like, the energy was surreal. So, I knew I'd be here this year. I just thought I would either be commentating or in the crowd. I'm somehow on the platform, but here we are. I'm yep. only, really, if Brad wasn't going to be there, I wouldn't be doing it. But Brad's going to be there, so I'm doing okay. it. Well, I, I, I was disappointed, too, because I'm not going to be there. Um, Angela will. I, I hold on. I now. actually will not be there. Are oh, you kidding you me? Is that yeah. a joke? Yeah, huh? 
Are you joking? No, I, why would I joke about that? No, I won't be there. Me and Marshall talked about it. Um, with these meets, you lose a lot of money doing it. And I think Steve and I could talk about, like, the flight to Houston to Greer, South Carolina, is really expensive. And on top of that, you got to pay me for actually, like, commentating. So we both, he said, like, it's going to be expensive. And we both kind of came to the conclusion of, don't worry about it. And I also know that Carolina has a lot of people that can commentate alongside Leo. And really, Leo's the better commentator anyway. <laughs> like, play-by-play-bys, Leo should be the guy in the USAPL to do all play-by-play meets and big meets. Um, and then color commentators, you could kind of fill in with other lifters and coaches. Like, Steve will be a fantastic color commentator. I'll be a fantastic color commentator. Solana is. So we have a lot to fill with color commentary. Um, but, yeah, it was just – it was – too expensive and you know the meat itself costs a lot of money and it's like what's the most important thing is it you know the the lifters having a really well-organized structured meat or somebody commentating if they weren't in good hands i'd probably say something else but they are in good hands with leo and i believe from i if i'm going to assume the other person was Oh yeah, yeah, Ganondorf. Ganondorf, yeah. I mean, best. I mean, legend, Carolina primetime legend, best setup of all time. Um, yeah, it's so. Him on commentary is fantastic, and uh, we, uh, you know, we like it's it's fine. Like the commentary live stream will be a one, will be perfect. So yeah, unfortunately, I won't be there. My first time not being at Carolina primetime, um, but it, it's not the last time I'm going to be working with Marshall because July first, I I will be. So, yeah, just a little update yep. there. All right, well. I didn't know how to announce it, too. I was like, do well, I make an announcement break, on Instagram? Would anyone care? Breaking breaking news, Angelo hates Marshall. So, solidified. Yeah, new, new beef and power looking. Marshall fired Angelo. Yep. I mean, it would be. And, and me, not, me not going doesn't mean I don't like Marshall. I love Marshall. So, it's only yeah, Angelo. Yeah, just not going. It's really because no, it's not professional enough, Angelo. Yes. Yeah. I've really lost that professionalism the past, I, I mean, the USAPL on their page, I would like to point out, said, is there anyone more professional in this sport? Or something along the lines. Or name someone more professional. Apparently, that's just on the platform. But commentary-wise, they can name a lot more people who are more professional than me. Like, apparently everyone. <laughs> but... Just not just uh, on the platform apparently, and when they made that post, they're like, "Oh, he's the most professional guy in the sport." So, yeah, I don't know what happened in the past year or so. Well, USAPL is doing great at their national meets without you. They've yes. been extremely organized with handling commentators yes. and live stream stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm really hoping that goes well. So, <laughs> just just coming, yeah, right, coming well, up in Memphis, but yeah, so let's get, get to the meet then. Men or women first? Let's do women. Women's going to be short. Women. There's six of us. Yeah, women also very close because you have Daniela Mello competing in it, but she's a pro lifter and probably perennial within that weight class of winning it, or at least being in the top three. So as long as she stays in the USAPL, I think that pro card is going to constantly come to her. But we got a good amount of lifters that does, that, that there's a drop-off that can't have that pro card. Solana, you are still pro card qualifier, right? So... You have yep. it up until the end of the year. So then that, that lessens yes. it down to about, what, three or four? Four people. Yeah. Four. 
Yep. Yeah. Brandis Dye, Carmen Hugh, Lori McCormick, and Ariel Patro all in contention for this pro card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's dive in. So I'm going to start with Brandis. Um, she's posting a little bit. She's not posting everything. But from what she is posting, I'm excited. I think she's going to have a really big meet. Um, especially from what I'm seeing. I saw her hit a really fast four-weight squat, and I, I'm like, okay, that move kind of like an opener. And at her last meet, her best squat is 413. So I'm like, if you hit in four-weight for an opener, basically, or at that kind of speed, we're probably in a really good position. Her bench has just blown up. It was her best was 259 in her last meet. I saw her hit 248 for four. I'm like, okay, I put you in a pretty good spot. She's not posting her top, top sets. Um, I did say a 253 bench, but that was from like nine weeks ago. So don't really know where that is at right now. Deadlift, I don't see any training in it, but like she didn't post any training. But overall, I think just with the squat and bench alone, we're looking at two pretty big PRs and putting her in a good spot to grab that pro card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely got her as the favorite. I honestly, if this meet goes all as planned, she. It's going to be up there come nationals time when we're discussing the 75 kilo class because we have some shakeups there. Uh, Claire's Eye went over to Powerlifting America. Autumn Green uh, is not doing uh, nationals. And so you have Jasmine Penn, and it's kind of open after that. And I mean, with uh, Brandis's progress, I mean, I saw, I, I saw a really easy 430 deadlift, and I've seen multiple 281 and 287 benches. So the bench in particular is a massive jump. And she can even just match that. I mean, I've got. I think she can go around a five thirty kilo total, and that would that would put her as, as likely uh, number two going in the nationals behind Jasmine. Um, and if she does that at this meet, it'd be very hard to beat her. I think Carmen is is the one person that I see that could be maybe within the range if Brandis slips up. But if Brandis goes eight for nine or nine for nine, I feel like she might have this pretty much on lock. I, she's got to be the heavy favorite to win the pro card. And honestly, I think she's the favorite to win the meet uh, because there's there's a who's first place overall in the meet versus who wins the pro card. Just to clarify, um, like let's say Daniela or Solana actually win best overall lifter, the, the pro card still trickles down to the top non-pro lifter. Uh, yeah. But I don't think it matters. I think I honestly I have Brandis as my favorite to win um, overall. Yeah, I would say going into it, she would have been the favorite, just me looking at the roster blindly, uh, just because based on what we've seen, one, she was at the very first Carolina primetime, um, we've seen the ascent getting coaching under Nori has definitely benefited her a lot, and it seems like she's on a forward momentum going into a really, just a high ranking within that 76 kilo division. And I think we, I, I, I think that's one of those lifters that I think Steve and I have been always just kind of like, Okay, look what she just did. She's a definite player when it comes to national time. And she is a lifter who can hit lifts on the platform. Um, she's a composed lifter. This is no unfamiliar foreign meet to her. You know, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be a relatively easy meet for her just to go and do. You know, travel not a problem, familiar with all the people, familiar with the environment. Um yeah, I, I would put her as a favorite, but Carmen Hugh, that's a lifter that I, I think I have a little bit more experience with because um, way back, uh, probably like 2018, it, uh, Carmen was it, Carmen trains at Indy City Barbell, or at least she did. I don't know if she's training there now, and 
I remember uh, just her being sneaky, sneaky, sneaky strong and blowing up squats left and right and she was getting progressively stronger and then and then it started to come a little bit it got unraveled a little bit last year at the Arnold I believe that she is a solid solid lifter who's uh threatening that 500 dots and she's continuously making progress that would be the you know the big contender I would see um threatening Brandis would be Carmen uh good composed lifter too one of those lifters that Straight face, stone face, no facial expressions while they're lifting. Nothing seems hard at all until it does. So when you're there, Solana, and then if, like, you know, Leo and the people commentating, everything's going to look really easy when she lifts. It's just a matter of what is the third attempt, and I, it's one of those, if it doesn't budge, then it's just not going to budge. So it's, it's she's also just a hard lifter to read. So I did training. get that same, I got the same feel because every thing I commented was like, this moved great. This moves so fast. <laughs> I was like, is anything going to be hard for her? Her training's looking really good. Like I saw a 220 bench PR and it moved excellent. I saw a 403 squat. I don't know if Steve saw more than that, but that squat moved really fast. And her best squats in her last meet was 413. And then I saw a 432 deadlift, which is just, just above what she had in her last meet. So she looks like she's definitely in contention to like, Hit a nice squat PR, nice bench PR, potentially a nice deadlift PR overall. I saw a 407 squat a month or so back. Either way, I mean, everything was moving really, really easy. Like that deadlift uh, for 432, which was PR, I think, was not that hard. Um, I, I expect her to likely be able to chip all of her meat best by two and a half to five kilos. And so if that if she does that, I've got her around the 508 dots. But again, I've got Brandis at 522, and that's where it's tough. Like, I think Brandis would have to slip up for Carmen to be able to sneak in. Uh, I mean, if I added, even if I add another two and a half kilos to each lift for Carmen, which I think is a very plausible scenario, that still probably like puts her around like 520. I mean, that's close. It's close. That, that, that's probably the main battle there. Albeit, I don't know what Ariel Patch is really doing because she has to cut off. Every single one of the weights in every single one of her videos. Yep. Ariel, if you were here, I'm staring directly into your eyes in disappointment of you making our lives harder on these preview shows because every every single one is cutting it off, so we have no idea what she's doing. So she could be sneaky and come in here and do something that we aren't expecting, but we don't know because she she's uh she's being strategic here. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, okay, I, I almost texted her. I was like, let me not even bother texting her. We're just going to see what happens on me today. But if I just had to guess, I feel like she's trying to just save it up for nationals. Like, I don't think she's going to try to go balls to all this meat. That's just my guess for Ariel. I feel like I she's she like, wants, let me just stack. She wants the pro card, though. I know she does. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, she's, well, I mean, she's, a, she's, she's the only lifter on, this, or on the female roster who's a former pro card holder. So we are experiencing new things now with that original Virginia pro lifters, you got that automatic pro card. If you were doing the meets, uh, but there's going to be that one, like lifters like her. I know Marcus was another one. Uh, 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 Frizzell was another one who lost their pro card. The motivation is probably a little bit more burning. If you are someone like Ariel who wants to regain the pro card. Well, as well as not getting into uh, the Arnold. She missed out on it. Mm -hmm. 
I know she, I, because I was messaging with her when all that stuff was kind of happening is she really wanted to get in the Arnold to have a shot there and wasn't able to get into it. So this was kind of the, she, she was, I, I think she is trying to go all out for this. I think the pro card is very important to her. Um, I could see scenarios where she's got a shot. Honestly, if she doesn't get a year, I really do think she's probably going to be in that top three discussion at nationals and get it there. But yeah, I think she's, she's going for it. It's just, I don't, I don't know what she's got. Um, I very much assume she could add at least two and a half to five kilos in each of them. I just see a 192 bench that move really well. Um, and that would be a pretty big jump from what she's done. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, she could be in, she could be in the picture there. I just don't have a good prediction of where she's at. And same. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I would agree. And this is one of those meets. Yeah. If you're, if you are going for the pro card, this is the meet where you, I would say go all out for because nationals, you go all out for two to get top three. So why would the strategy change? What and also when this meet happens, we're sitting 15, 14 weeks off from nationals. I don't, uh, I don't know exactly. 14. 14. Okay, so after the meet happens, we're gonna be sitting 14 weeks out from nationals. That's enough time to get into your new block of training, recover from the, your previous meets, and go into nationals and try to get top three there. So. Yeah, if if you're if you have an opportunity, you gotta take gotta take every opportunity you get to get that pro card. All right, we're gonna have to see you on the platform. Last but of course not least, we have Lori McCormick. So I looked at Boiler her. Up. She... What? Boiler up. Boiler up. Purdue powerlifter. Purdue Purdue grad. Oh, uh, okay. My bad. I I'm not in the know. <laughs> Clearly. I'm so confused. <laughs> Clearly, you're not. Yes. <laughs> what the hell I, are you talking about? If Solana had attended college in Indiana, she would have went to IU. It's pretty obvious. Definitely an IU person. Yeah, yeah. But this, honestly, I don't know why we have her on the podcast. Considering that, <laughs> for for a college she never attended. Hypothetical, and still very life. confused on what we're talking about. But yes, tell us about Lori McCormick. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> From what I did see, I saw her hit an easy 259 bench. I know our last meet she had 264, so it looks like bench is in a good spot. I saw her really, she's been posting a lot of like 396, like 402 squats, and they all are moving pretty well. And I didn't really see much deadlift, but it looks like she has a nice uptick on her squat and bench alone. So I'm definitely thinking she will be at the least chipping every single lift, maybe putting five kilos on both the squat and a bench, and then deadlift, I don't really know. Um, I had her predicted around 497 to 500 dots, so that's where I have her. Yeah, and she just competed. Actually, Carmen just competed, too, yeah. but Lori just competed in March, so it's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, I kind of have, I had her about two and a half kilos on squat. No, actually, I had five kilos more on squat and about two and a half kilos more on deadlift, um, 494 dots, so um, very, very good possibility of a great meet here i just don't and really that too if she's gonna come to open nationals this year she's gonna be possibly looking at top five competitors in that 75 kilo class i just don't know if we're looking at like the pro card status i don't know if she is gonna have the top end to compete with brandis or even if carmen and ariel really have uh big show outs to be able to kind of be in that discussion there yeah yeah i i would i would agree with that kind of looking at the roster i mean you can even tell the natural cutoff just within the current dots as they're standing. But, you know, from Brandis's best dots was, what, 498 going into this meet? 
Yep. So I mean, going up to five twenty. How did dots, you? How did did you cheat and look at something, or how did you know that? I mean, I did. It's on the Carolina primetime roster. I, I looked at that at least. Are you looking at it right now? No, I looked at it. Before, I mean, I looked at it while we're recording, but just not right now. It was okay. very because they're all they're like four ninety eight. Everyone's like four ninety eight, four ninety six ish, and then there's a drop off to like four eighty four. I mean, it's really really easy to remember their numbers because there's one. Few female competitors. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just always in awe of how you can remember these random things with no research and not. Yep. Well, actually, no, you do have access now to the document. You did not have access to the document before we started recording with yes, all I, the information. Yes, I did. I did, and I well, yeah, because the females one no. was relatively Angela, easy to, to follow. Angelo is just a secret genius. It's probably the history thing. You remember history well, so the history of powerlifting from 2019 and on, you are, you are a, a master of. Yeah, if we if we can set the date to the start of powerlifting in twenty nineteen, I'll be like one of the founding fathers of the sport of like being able to keep track of everything, bookkeeping stuff, and remembering lifters and what they did, training with them. Prior to that, no, like I I, I can't tell you shit. But from from that point, I can. Uh, yeah, but going original point four ninety eight to five twenty dots is hard. So it's. It's something that I think Brandis is very capable of, but it's a difficult thing to do. So that will leave the door open for Carmen, Ariel, Lori, and you know the, the, the female lifters who are going to be in contention for that pro card. Now, yeah. also, and then we got- I was going to say, just within the female side, though, because we'll give our predictions with who's going to get the pro cards and just our rankings on that, but... We have Daniela Mello competing at this and Solana Lewis as well. So we got pro lifters, but also when Daniela Mello's on a roster, people are going to tune in. I mean, still, like, the most genetically gifted female powerlifter I've ever seen. To this day, what does she rank? Like, third all-time? As far as dots go? Yeah, Steve, you're going to be the person on this one. No, she's not third all-time. What is it like? Uh, Where she's at. For drug-tested powerlifting, she's still got to be up there as far as dots. 13th. Goes. 13th all-time as far as dots, drug-tested powerlifting? Yeah. Huh. Man. Well, good lift points. Good lift points. Sorry. I'm on open IPF. Okay. Well, I mean, that but would yeah, still... Somewhere. that I mean, that still is telling, but... Because what's her best no, dots? I agree. I mean... Is it like 570 or something? Well, now you're going to make me go to open powerlifting. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree, though. I mean, I, I, I do very much believe she's the most genetically gifted powerlifter we've ever had. Uh, 565. 565 dots, all right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah 565 dots being her highest, which, which, yeah, I, which I think, from what I know, the training into that meet wasn't even, like, anything special either. She'd only been training, like, three months or something into Worlds that year. So like yeah, I mean she's just she is just on another level when she's on, but but do, I mean is there any insight here of what she can do? I, I mean, I there, she's not really posting much. I saw her squat four nineteen for a triple, which at the Arnold she only hit four twenty four, um, and she has come down in body weight too. So if you factor in body weight and how that four nineteen moved, I think it's very plausible she hits about the numbers that she did at Nat nationals last year because i think going into arnold she wasn't healthy so if we're looking at nationals numbers i think she could repeat those but now at a lower body weight and a, at a weight class down 
if she does that, five eighteen to five twenty dots. So I mean, like if, if, we're, if she's a pro, so she can't when she already got a pro car. But like she'd be the main person I'd be looking at with Brandis if you're looking at just who wins best overall lifter for the meet, um, being between them two. Yeah. I did see her post that, like, she had a back flare up again, but she might have to back off on squats and just got back to them recently, a few weeks ago. So I don't really know. It kind of sounds like the same training as the Arnold's, where she was like, I'm in pain, but we're going to go for it. Well, so I'm not sure. Corrupted, I, I remember Corrupted, that was, it was a very familiar feeling because I saw her hit a deadlift, and then as soon as it dropped the deadlift, you, like, you stood at the bar for a little bit get up very slowly, and then walk. Because once that decompression hits on your back, that's the most painful part. It's not the movement. It's the decompression or the compression. And I'm like, she's hurt. Like, it was it was very easy. Like, I know exactly what she's like. You don't want to be that on meet day. You want to be that in the gym maybe two weeks out. And then hopefully that taper gets you not hurt. But I saw that, like, yep, I know that feeling. She's hurting right now. And it's not good to compete that way. But if it flares up again... Um, I think every powerlifter can speak from experience. Like, it's it's not ideal. Um, and I I think I said it every single time Daniela Mello is brought up on the podcast that we all want to see Daniela Mello one compete, but compete at her highest level because that Did you was see that really one of the peaks of female powerlifting. Even though currently I think the peak of pe- female powerlifting is possibly going to surpass the Amanda Lawrence versus Daniela Mello circa twenty nineteen. Did you see that really recent Solana? Because that swap post was from May twenty second, so only eight days ago. Um, I saw. I think it was a post from a couple weeks ago. I so I know after that post, she then posted some good squats. But okay. The post was like two or three weeks old, so I'm like, okay, it's still like a few weeks ago. Yes, paint. Okay. Well, we shall see. I mean, she's gonna be in the running there for best overall lifter, um, and then we've got Solana. Um, I had some detailed discussions with this athlete in the DMs. Um, I made sure to message her to get uh, exact insight so I didn't get anything wrong so she wouldn't get mad at her DMs. And my conclusion I came to is the only thing I saw was a 386 by 2 squat and then a PR bench at 211. Uh, and she gave me no actual insight in the DMs and wasn't any helpful. So the the uh, the actual like uh, – advice to dm the athletes directly did not help solana was of no help when i dm'd her (laughs) sorry i did i posted my list though i know so back to seriousness i don't even know if that was funny probably (laughs) it wasn't (laughs) so uh yes solana i saw 386 for two squat i saw a pr bench of 211 uh, I see you noted here, you got Nats coming out, so you're not going to go all out, but you want that 500 dots. I mean, I figure you could probably add about two and a half kilos to each lift, and that would get you 504 dots. Maybe you don't even need to do that much. Maybe you could go a little bit more conservative on deadlift and leave some in the tank just to secure the 500. So yeah, get your 500 dots, probably top three, top four in the meet. Have some fun, hang out with Brad. Don't get to hang out with Angelo. Uh... And then get ready for Nats in a 67.5 kilo weight class battle. That's basically what's happening. Brad wants me to push certain lifts more than I want to, which is hilarious to me. But I'm like, we'll just see what happens. Because 
I don't oh, want to. See, <laughs> see what see what happens means on meet day you're going to get all amped up and feel the energy and want to go. Yeah, that's what that <laughs> means. He's going to let me. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we if the warm ups are moving well. Yeah, it's all field game. I mean, you can surprise yourself on meet day as far as like if you're. Also, if you're going in with the idea of, like, just saving yourself for nationals, right? Like, you can just be clicking that day and, like, hey, you know what? Throw two and a half kilos on. Screw it. I mean, if you miss, who cares? I mean, it's, it's like the same thing. If you miss, who cares? If, 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 the, if, the, if the rationale is, like, we're just going to do this meet and kind of keep safe fresh for nationals and then really push it at nationals. So, I mean, if you hit your list, fantastic. But if you miss them, no harm, no foul. Well, yeah, especially because you, more if you data. miss them, if you miss them, you all of a sudden had an injury that sparked up two weeks prior. You have food poisoning. Yes. Food so poisoning. Oh yeah, food yeah. poisoning. Sorry, yeah, food sorry. Poisoning. Food poisoning is the right one to do. Yes, food poisoning. Everyone's got food poisoning. Yeah, food poisoning, or you hurt your knee on a plane. It's 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 either or, but it's you know, the built-in excuses are there for you. We're just saying, Solana. Built-in excuses are always it. there. Yeah, we've got your back. If the meat doesn't go well, we already know it's food poisoning. If it goes really well, you 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 were able to overcome food poisoning against all odds. Hey, yep. so we're gonna have to make a. Oh shit! All right, so here's so you're gonna get a little deception. I'm gonna because we we need content on two white lights. Here's a little verbal meme for you: the superhero guy with the two buttons, powerlifter who just had a bad meat and trying to pick food poisoning or injury flare up two weeks out. That's yeah. that's Squawking gonna be made shortly after this thing is over. So I'm very excited for that. Can't wait to upset people, possibly. Okay, so let's do predictions. Yeah, let's do it. Who wants to start? I'll go. Brandis first, Daniela second, Solana third. Okay. So awkward to have my own name in here. Tell me about it. Next. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah, it's always weird. Always weird doing it. Um, I will have Brandis first, Daniela second, and Carmen third. I apologize, Solana, but you've not picked me a few times in our careers, so this is true. I'm yeah, actually. Go. I should. I actually should not have picked Solana because she t- she tends to pick against people I coach. That's been the reoccurring thing. So I I, I had my is it just Nori? Have a, uh, it just I felt like, like it I was Nori. To be right more the times than not when I do that. I feel like it's just only one specific. Only, only yeah, it's only one really one person. lifter. <laughs> because <laughs> I think yeah. I was right. Yeah, the, all the <laughs> other ones yeah seem to hit the exact numbers and get into that point. So. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna give Danny first, Brandis second, and this was gross. I'll do it. I'll give myself third. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't it feel weird? Everyone says I can't it believe you pick. Feeling. I can't believe you didn't pick yourself over this guy or that guy. Yeah, it's weird <laughs> saying it. It's just weird predicting yourself getting that position. It is. It's a strange thing. But all right. Well, can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see, you know, Lady Die, Daniela Mello, Two White Lights, most official, unofficial co-hosts, Ariel Patra, Laurie McCormick, Carmen Hugh, all compete at Carolina Primetime. 
almost excited as Leflar Bros merchandise. I am loving what they've been dropping so far. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com and get yourself some merch. Look good from head to toe, on the platform, off the platform. And use that promo code 2WL15, Salon15, and Orc15. Also, they're doing a collab with Sad Boy. It's Sad Boy Apparel, oh. right? Yeah, Sad Strength Apparel. Sad Strength and Apparel. Yes. I've got the ultimate marketing for them. So uh, I, I think you got sent a pair. I got mm-hmm. sent a pair of the, those shorts. The shorts are great. Um, quality, repping, best quality shorts I've been sat, you know, in that This has nothing to do with Leflar Bros. Clearly. Uh, we're not even like, technically merchandising. We're not even advertising right now for Leflar Bros. This is all – this is sad straight. <laughs> yeah, it's a collab. I've been I've been uh, Yoni, who is a who is a fa- who is a we're a fan of him on Two White Lights. Um, I've been I've been getting his shorts forever. They are the best shorts I have ever worn. I'm not just like I, I get no kickback. He actually reached out to me one time and kind of was talking about me being being a sponsored by them, and I was like, I don't. That's not really my thing. I don't want to be sponsored by any companies. I will push them because they are legitimately the best shorts I've ever worn. And they only get better. And so highly recommend well, them. Well, the only way and that... Here, this is where it gets really good. Okay. So the new ones, they fit really well. Mm-hmm. They look good. Put them on. I was going to work out yesterday. I walked out. I saw them and goes, ooh, I like those. In that, in that, in that tone that you know that something fun's happening that, that night. Mm-hmm. And it did. So Congratulations wear the shorts. Effects. You get to have fun at night. I was almost going to edit. Uh, fuck. I was like, some fun's going to happen that night. You finally get to be on top. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can keep Why that you one in. <laughs> I don't know if I can keep <laughs> Because I don't know if I I have a profession that I like. I got to take care of. I got to make sure not everything I say ends up on a podcast. But yeah, there was a lot of things I could have said there. But you said something interesting, Steve. Only way there's, you know, only way they can get better when they collab with Leflar Bros. So a yep. collab, awesome collab. I'm very excited for it. But Leflar Bros. In the meantime, just get yourself some merchandise. That cop tee, I'm loving it. The new cop tee that they dropped. The socks, I think, are Leflar Bros. Like signature. You know, get yourself some deadlift socks. Look good on the platform, and also all their other merchandise makes you look good off the platform as well. All right, on to the men's side. So we have a lot of men competing. Um, just like every meet, I think three, around three to five people are going to branch out and be the pro card qualifiers. Um, I do think it is headlined by Brandon Petrie. So we do have pro lifters in the female side, right? With Danielle and Sana, but Petrie is a little bit different, right? Because it was dominating the powerlifting news cycle when he bombed out at Arnold. What happened in the next two weeks after that with Marcellus and Flex, him and Russ, and I don't know. I, I think we should kind of start with Petrie there. Is is the goal 2K at 90, and do you think he can do it at this meet? Because I think that would be the goal for this meet, right? Is 2K at 90, or at the very least, out total Russ? Yeah. And I've got him there. That's off of no information. Zero. Posting he's decided, nothing. He's, decided, he's posting nothing and archived everything. I did reach out to uh, 
Marcellus to see, is that a bad thing? Because some people, when they stop posting and archive everything, that's not good. Or is it a good thing? And Marcellus just simply said it's good. Uh, Angela, I'm sure you might have a little insight. You well, train with him, kinda. You know, no, the but the thing is, he's always he goes early to the gym now. So I haven't seen. I honestly have not seen him lift a weight since like a two weeks after the Arnold. <laughs> that was it. Um, so no, I haven't really seen anything from him. You know what the bull? Here's the bullshit thing about this whole situation. We have no information about Petrie, but if we say something on a podcast like, oh, no, I don't think he can do it. I don't think he can total 2K at 90. Um, I don't oh, think he's going to total runs. Then we're used yep. in, like, the story posts and the highlight reels of us looking like idiots, and we have nothing to go off of. So it's it's one thing if I actually saw the guy's lift, but if I go and say, ooh, I don't know, I don't think Petrie should take this meet, and then I'm going to be used as the intro of the highlight reel where he goes and totals something historic. It's, it's frustrating. I think we're safe. I think, I think any and all intros are reserved for us. Yeah, but still, I don't, I, don't I, don't, I, don't, I still don't do want to be the soundbite of it. Cause I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if this is a possibility. I don't know. Um, it'll be good to get that going again. Right. Just story post, story post after story posts of obscure things. And, uh, trash talk and passive-aggressive trash talk, or even just very blatant trash talk between the two. But, yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, for me personally, um, I haven't really talked to Petrie about this, but I, I I saw him sign up for the meet, so and I think he was planning on doing this meet for a long time, and I'm just like, I don't know if this is a good idea. I, I why, is it a, why is it a bad idea, though? Because... Why... why Petrie has a history with some injuries. He's got to keep that weight low. He's got to keep the weight around competition weights. It's And also, it would be one thing if he was just competing to kind of try new things, stay fresh. But if the goal is to do something that only Jesse Norris has done, that's a difficult meet to do. And it might be a little bit better of an idea just to chill a little bit and take your data and build up your training total and go at nationals. And I don't think you want to go to nationals though, with your last meet being the Arnold. That's my thought process. Why not? So you don't, you, you don't want to go into the biggest meet of the year for him having bombed out at your last meet. Why not? Like you need to get the, you want to get the monkey get off practice. your back. There's a, mental, there's a mental aspect to this. And frankly, if he does what he can do, he doesn't even need to have a great nationals to still win. Mm. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, I think we're going to talk yeah. about him a little bit. Is Dominique Fuqua is probably the the person that's dipping at his heels a bit, but like he doesn't need like two K. What that is that nine ten? I think it's ridiculous. It's, nine oh seven and a half. It's like huge. Is it the best total right need, now? Ninety eight eighty one. He doesn't even need that at nationals necessarily to likely win. So yeah. sure, I, I don't know. I. I I completely understand why to do this. I, if I was his coach, I probably would have wanted him to just get back into something, uh, as well as just to get the monkey off his back, as well as Petrie always has done well, honestly, when he's got a meet in front of him. We, we've seen when he takes these big layoffs, kind of a drop in motivation, and I honestly think that's when the injuries kind of spur up a bit. Well, um, And I've, I mean, had, I've had that with lifters, too, where when they kind of get in these like, lulls in between meets, 
tend to have a little bit higher pain or, or lower pain tolerance. And when they get in the meat prep, they higher motivation. They're able to kind of push through and then things go really well. So yeah. I don't know. I, I, I have, I, I see why. All right. Well, I think you convinced me a little bit there as far. I mean, nothing's wrong with data. It was just more so it was so public. It was arguably the most publicized bomb out ever in a meet. Because usually people kind of just sweep it under the rug when somebody bombs out. Like, okay, let's not talk about it. Petrie had to deal with people talking about it for about three weeks. So it was a little bit of a different situation. You know, you get big players involved as well. And highly... Uh, influential players as well just kind of reiterating what happened and constantly reiterating what happened so i just think it's a different situation i would agree with you in most circumstances um yeah i mean also he did have that big layoff from nationals to the arnold which i guess you did see the effect there i don't know if that's if that even had anything to do with uh his performance at the arnold but um, it's not just, it's not to say that a long layoff is always good. Um, but like I was planning on doing a meet as well as well around this time, but it was simply just to hit second attempts and gather some data for trying something new in programming. This is not just, we're going to hit second attempts and get some data. He's from my understanding, looking at the biggest total at 90 kilos or historically 90 to 93 kilos total 2k. It's a little bit different from just doing a meet to stay fresh and try new things in your program. I agree with what you were saying, but really just like Steve said, like the last meet he did, he bombed out. Like it just makes total sense for me for him to do his meet, have something underneath his belt that is bigger than just like a, oh, we're going to take second attempts meet, but at least he can have that, that really good momentum if this goes like he wants it to and going to nationals with great momentum as opposed to going into a meet and you're like, okay, I really have to do what I said I was going to last time. Everybody's watching. This is it. And it's like all you have to go off of is like the raw emotion of like bombing out <laughs> for yeah. last meet. That's a good yeah. It makes sense to me. It's a good point. Maybe my opinion would be different if I seen any of his training. 100% We're just haven't like, seen oh, anything. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, we can't even make a prediction there. So I guess, like, from there, because, you know, Petrie's kind of the the hot topic of the meet. From there. Well, well, frankly, most of the men's side we can't really make much predictions on. Yeah, they don't post a whole lot. We, they're we, they're we, historically we a, known a, for not posting a, a lot. Nice, yeah, we have a nice lineup of non-posters. Nice so. lineup of non-posters, but a nice lineup of nice lifters. These lifters yeah. are nice. That's like if I was going to describe them, nice lifters. Nice in the sense where like that guy's nice. His game's nice, and all of them, all of their game is nice. I respect all of these lifters as lifters. They're great to watch. They're hard workers, and they're relatively under the radar too. And they're nice. And they're nice. Nice. Yes. They should all be wearing the well, number sixty-nine on the well, platforms. Nice. Speaking nice. Nice. Speaking of uh, historically speakative of this training, Mr. Andre Easter. Mm -hmm. He's been posting enough though that you can see he's back. Like training's going good. He hit like a six what six well six six fifteen double on squat that moved really easy and squat has been the issue. He only squatted six thirty three at his last meet. Yeah, I think his best is six sixty six. It looks like he can do 666, 666 again. 
Bench has taken a big uptick. He hit 435 at his last meet and benched uh, 452 in the gym. And then deadlifts, he hit like only like five kilos or something under what he did at his last meet, like really easy. So I expect him to be fully back. And if he's fully back, he's my favorite. Mm. I have to ask, though, Solana, you have his squat at 711. Where, where, what did you find that I didn't find? Uh, where is your squat for him? I got him at 661, I think 661, 666. There's a bit of a difference. The, the <laughs> biggest squat he posted was, I don't, he, he's going to message me and be like, oh, you're underestimating me. And I, do I can, but the biggest squat I see is 615 for two. So I want to see where your confidence is coming from here. There may be a small typo in my, uh, <laughs> My my, uh, I don't see an, a note that goes along with why. Yeah, that's yeah. Is this all? What do you? Well, all right, so Solana, what do you think he's gonna squat? I don't even have squat notes. Okay. I have deadlift and bench notes. Okay. Well, so I guess we can air to Steve on that one then. That's with Andre. Make sure to note that Steve is the podcast host that researched you the most and cares about you the most. Let's remember that one. Mm. I think he would still save me. But yeah, getting getting back to seriousness, I think Andre's got to be the favorite. We'll get to this, some other people here. I got him at like a 540 dots. Um, I've got some other people in like the low 530s, maybe mid 530s. But if Andre hits his lifts and with how training looks, I, I think it's going to be really tough and he's going to be in the driver's seat. I think from there, you're going to really be looking at, we'll get to them more, Trey, uh, Jalen Falk, and Lauren Tinson. I think those are probably the other three that are kind of in the picture there, but I think it's Andre's to lose. I think initially yeah. looking at this roster, I would say the same. Andre to lose, um, it's it's kind of his. and he, He's a guy, though, like we don't have a whole lot of data on him because he – unfortunately wasn't able to compete at nationals last thing we saw from was carolina primetime that was not a good meet for him so yeah he's got to he's got to pick up the pieces again and really perform and he's one of those guys i'm like i don't even know i don't even know if he struggles on meet day because there is little data on andre easter because remember the first carolina primetime he his last meet was the arnold like 2018 or something or 2019, like he was making his return to the platform the first Carolina primetime. And then since then, Carolina primetime is the only meet we've seen him do. So it's it's um, it's it's a lifter that's that we know he's capable, especially he really sneak attacked us the first Carolina primetime because it was up with him and Petrie up to that last or to second deadlifts. Um, he was having himself one hell of a day. And yeah, <laughs> we... I still just don't have a whole lot of info on Andre. Didn't he not He's do that because he, he was sick? He had COVID. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Unlike some other people who did NAS while still having COVID knowingly, he was nice enough to not do it. Yeah. I didn't get – actually, yeah, I do remember a big spike in COVID. Uh, I, I did not get COVID. Also, not getting COVID at a power thing in Vegas – that deserves a medal because we killed it. Yeah. Because I don't know if you guys have ever been to Vegas. This is a lot of people and there's a lot of people at powerlifting meets, especially nationals. So the fact that I avoided both 
and I think Salada did too. You you avoid the COVID. I don't know if I don't know if Denovi did, but yeah. Uh, I I did because I got it from the Arnold last year. My wife got it from Vegas though. Ah, okay. All right, Thanks. so not everyone. My did mother, my mother shared a room with me and got it and got it before I competed. And I still somehow didn't get it. Nice. Mm. Great, good COVID talk. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that's 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 really what I want to talk about this uh, this podcast episode. But Andre is doing nationals this year. Um, I apparently bullied into doing it, which I don't recall me doing a whole lot of bullying, but apparently I did. So he's doing nationals this year, and I'm excited for it. All right, well, closest, closest. I mean, you're getting into it, Solana, but I'll give it to you. Closest competitor, I've got Trey and Jalen. You can pick which one to go first. I want to start with Trey. But they both have big upticks in their training, so it's really exciting. Um, I saw We saw Trey hit a deadly PR at 750, and a little bit of a quick like hold at the top, but overall, it's a pretty solid. He's never had, Wait, lo- Trey? He's never had lockout issues. Trey never does that, never has an issue with lockout. He never quickly holds the top, yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> I'm, just avoid- I'm just avoiding another story post saying that it's disrespectful or whatever, but... Yeah, there's no evidence at all that he, he does that. Continue, Solana. Anywho, four weeks ago, I saw a 666 squat. That moved well. Bench, I saw 391. Um, thankfully, Steve noted, because I was not really paying attention to his weight, you noted that he probably gained a good amount of weight mm-hmm. since the last meet. Do you have any update like on I don't, his weight? I don't know what it is. When I calculate, so he weighed 188.7. He's going up to 90. So there's, I, I very much assume, especially as a young guy, he's heavier than that. I calculated my dots off of him weighing 193. That is a complete guess, but looking at the the the, the weight gain he had from his collegiate meet to the Carolina primetime, that was kind of my guess of where he's at. Maybe he's higher, maybe he's lower. That's obviously going to affect things. Expect, I mean, either way, but I, I felt like 193 was a pretty safe bet there to kind of guess things off of. Okay, cool. Well, I had nothing on his weight, so I just kind of, I don't even know what number I used. I think I added like six or seven pounds, but overall though, like humongous upticks and like all of his lifts. And then when I was looking at Jalen, same similar, like he hit a four sixty three. It moved smooth. It was a short pause, but still hit that. Dealt into seven fifty. He squatted six eighty three. That was eleven weeks ago, so he didn't post. I didn't see a more recent squat than that. Um, but every single lift had like room in a tank, besides maybe the bench questionably if he had a longer pause, but. Every single list is like far beyond his last meet, so I think we're gonna see like a major uptick from both these lifters. Yeah, I know JJ last year was disappointed in his Carolina primetime performance. Um, I I know he really wanted uh, he really wanted more from himself, and yeah, it's been a while from him on the platform as well. And both both really young lifters, JJ more the younger of the two lifters between him and Trey. Um, I'm very excited what I'm going to see because those guys are just going to continue to progress. Um, I knew when Trey was moving up from, he's a, he's a big 82 and a half or was an 82 and a half. Like when you look at him, you just don't see 82 and a half. And I kind of kept the mental notes. I think at the first Carolina prime time, like once this guy starts moving up and gains weight, he's going to make a lot of progress and he's probably going to find his best footing in the weight class above in which he's competing. Um, JJ, on the other hand, looking at him, it doesn't really matter, uh, what weight class you think he competes in. You're just going to assume he is going to be successful. He is an absolute unit. He's, 
freakishly strong. Um, and he's got the leverages for it. He's got the body type for it. And he's got the lifts to, lifts to kind of, you know, um, to to potentially get into that pro card situation as well. Um, I will not be shocked if JJ comes out of this meet a pro card holder. Yeah, I, I've got him. Even I could see Trey beating Jalen. Yeah. But I have a better idea, I think, of what Trey's going to do. Jalen, there's more of a spectrum to where if there's someone that even if Andre has a good day that I think could shock us and just have a day we weren't expecting, it would be Jalen. And one of the biggest reasons, like, his deadlift, I have a hard time gauging of where that's going to come in at. Um, he hit 750 with some room in the tank recently for a single, but then a couple of months ago he hit 750 pause, and it was so easy. It looked like he could have deadlifted 800 that day. So I, I, I just don't have a good range of where he's going to be at deadlift to where, like, if he pulls 780-something, which I think is very plausible, he all of a sudden might win. Yeah. Like, I just, I just, I just... I don't have him nailed down on what he could do, and I feel like there's such a big spectrum here that, like, if there's someone that I think that could beat Andre, even if Andre has a great day, it would be Jalen. Yeah. Well, but that, but if I say that, then I could see Trey having a great meet, too, and beating JJ and beating Andre, too. Like, there is a definite competition here between the top three men. Oh, I agree. I just, I just have a, I feel like I have a little bit better idea of what Trey can do because he's been pretty consistent in kind of how he does, he does in training versus competition, and he competes decently often. Um, we've covered him multiple times, so I just feel like I have a decent idea of what I expect Trey to come in and do for the most part. Where Jalen, it's just a little bit more of a wild card to me, where I, I, I don't know if I can peg down kind of his exact numbers. Yep. Um. Yeah, so from here, do you see anyone else possibly, you know, getting into that pro cards uh, uh, conversation? Because, you know, I see, I see Danny Morris, um, very good lifter. Camden Wilson, awesome young lifter as well. Um, you know, north of 5'10 dots. Yeah, Lawrence Henson would be my next one. Oh, yeah, Lawrence I mean, they're, kind of, I they're all kind of all in that 5'10 to 5'25 range. Um, Daniel had a private account, so I couldn't see anything. So I don't, I don't really know what to predict. Lawrence just competed at the Arnold. Um, I mean, frankly, it looks like based on all his training, it's, it's hard to, other than bench, it seemed to take a big jump. I really didn't see anything with squat and deadlift that would show me a massive jump. So he's in the, he's in the talks, but I, I, I have a hard time predicting him to be able to go in that 535 plus range for dots. Um, Camden, uh, he doesn't post any training on his IG page and full disclosure, because I was traveling to Scotland, uh, I did not do nearly as much research other than like an hour today. And so I did not have time to go to his YouTube channel like I normally do, which is where he usually posts his training. So I just don't know how Camden's training is going. So I can't really predict much there. Um, so, I yeah. Did, I didn't know that. I did not yeah, know. I usually do go. I, I will go. I will go to the YouTube channel and scroll through. With, uh, I thought you were really- anti-YouTube channel for this stuff. I have that would too much be, of an ego that I have to be right. That would be contradictory from Steve. He's got a YouTube channel. I should be anti-YouTube. I'm yeah, never, but I'm, like, he's always I'm like, oh, this... Unless I'm looking up Sopranos clips and I hate that, like, Delaney and Camden do YouTube, but I have too much of an ego to be wrong, so therefore I do go research and scroll through the YouTube channel to see if I can find lists. But I did not have a chance to do Camden's this time, so therefore I do not know what he is capable of at this movie. 
Uh, with that said, he'd have to make some he'd have to make some pretty big jumps uh, in numbers to be up there, likely with Andre, Trey, and Jalen. Yeah, it, and I, actually, you know what? Honestly, I got we're talking about five ten to five twenty five. Uh, Marcellus Williams, the battle within the meat. I don't think Marcellus might be looking at a pro card, but the battle within the meat is can Marcellus beat Johnny Candido's dots? Yes. <laughs> What's, the, what's Johnny Candido's best stats? 5'10"? 5'15.56. 5'15". Ooh. All right. Yeah. That would that would be... That would be tough. Yeah, because... I mean, be Marcellus has never broke 500, right? No, that's the thing. He's no. about to take like a 19 dots jump for this. <laughs> I, I've got him possibly doing five. I really think he could probably about repeat his best performance uh, uh, with a slight uptick, I think, a little bit in Devils. I have him at 5'10". I think five fifteen is tough. Five fifteen would be tough, but I've got him at five ten and being doable. Yeah, I got him. I got him. I got him breaking five hundred. When I did my research, I figured out what he needed to hit to get the five fifteen, and the numbers I have for him were definitely like five hundred nine to five ten dots. I know that he's going to come into this weighing between one sixty and one sixty two was the goal. And Steve, I think you have him weighing a full one sixty five. He's trying to be lighter than that, so. He pretty much needs, if he weighs now 162, he must total 1563, which is a 545 squat, a 374 bench, and a 644 deadlift. That's exactly what he needs, weighing 162, to beat Johnny Zotz. All right. That's, that's, I did not know about the body weight. Yes, because I, I program, I did my numbers off of his national body weight, which is 164.2. So if he's coming in light, he's in it. That's possible. Yep, and we all are hoping and praying he does this finally. One to get Johnny back, but two because Marcellus has been a liar for I don't know how many years now, saying he was going to go eighty-two and a half and eighty-three, and he doesn't do it. And so, um, as well, Marcellus's friends, I really would appreciate him to stop lying to all of us and yeah. actually just be truthful and and not keep going back down. Yeah, what if what if uh, Russ Atwood and Marcellus have in common? They make promises that they don't the class. Class and not do it. That's that's yeah. That's the well, triple no, triple uh, diagram. It's the it's the implication. The implication. The implication. It is it's been applied. I think Russ flat out said he was doing different, like he was doing different weight classes. I mean, granted, so did Atwood and Marcellus. So did Marcellus. So, so I what guess the implication. So I guess all of them, yeah, all of them, they implied it, but they definitely said it. Uh, well, I'm not saying any of them implied it. I'm saying I'm saying all of them said it. I'm saying Atwood said it was the implication oh, yeah. of others. Atwood, Atwood claimed it was it was implied, and yeah, talking to him like I don't think you know what an implication is, but never mind. No. We won't we won't get into that. Um, At least Marcellus did the weight class up. He's went back down. Yeah, you are right. So, yeah. He has competed eighty two and a half. I give, I, give, I give him I give him. A four out of ten credit for that. Because Russ did too, though. So, so in this Venn diagram, the side one is what Russ and Russ and Marcellus share. Atwood technically has two in the past, just when he was didn't want to cut. It wasn't anything of like reason of wanting to compete in eighty two and a half. He weighed in like seventy six kilos or something at a meet um, that he just did right before COVID, but. Yeah, that would that would be the one Russ and Marcellus here. Um, but looking at the roster, you know, going back to the roster, you have 
I don't know, just yeah, a, lot, a lot of good lifters here. You got Cody Yeager, who's, you know, a veteran of this meet, veteran of the sport, too. Um, it, you know, had very successful meets in 82 and a half. I be, is he competing at 90 for this one? I just, do not know. I don't, I don't know either. No, but no, last year, he had he had a really tough meet, and he was kind of able to persevere throughout all of it. Like, he had some uh, foot stuff, like one of the only times a foot is called, of like readjusting the foot after the squat command is given. And he kind of had to, you know, save himself from that too, and was able to, you know, put together a good meet. And then the year, the the first Carolina prime time, he he got a misload, like a really bad misload on his squat. So he he's yeah the the past, hopefully it's just a drama free meet for Cody Yeager, a good friend of mine. So that's why I'm bringing him up. Uh, anyone else you guys see from the roster here? Because really, it's just Pro Carter. Todd Talford. Oh, yeah, Todd Talford. I can't believe I missed Todd. The bencher. The best bencher. Everything Angela wishes he could be. Not really. He's, no, I don't wish I could be that. (laughs) I would much rather prefer being the good deadlifter and good squatter. But Todd Talford is just a no-nonsense bench presser and is awesome. If you guys have not watched a Todd Talford bench, you're in for a treat. It's just... You can see you can see it too when he gets onto the platform. Like this guy is just strong. He is just a strong dude. He's got muscles popping out everywhere, and he doesn't have really much of an arch on his bench. He just lifts the weight off of his chest, and it's great. It's just entertaining stuff. So yeah, a live stream. Tune in for Todd Telford's bench. Anyone else from that? I got Santiago Ramirez. He'll get upset if I didn't say his name on the podcast. Uh, shout out, no name. That's a free ad reel. Uh, it's a free ad read. No name uh, gear. That's a that's a free one, Santi. I'm expecting something in return. I know I'm saying it's free, but I'm expecting something there because that's. I already I um I unblocked him. That's his full reward. Yeah, I already did there it. There you go. There you go. Shout out F Chat. So yeah, but very very few company. I think one. I think is he in the class of one. The unblocked? Being unblocked? Yeah. No. There was someone. There's one other one. Someone from powerlifting now. <laughs> was it Nordier? <laughs> <laughs> not not a not a co-owner of powerlifting now. One of our one of our subscribers of powerlifting oh. now asked me to you're unblock like, him, and so I obliged. Oh, I was like, like, if you're gonna pay me money, fine. I yeah, I thought it was I thought it was Matt Cronin or something like just someone that you have directly in front of you. Like yeah, I blocked him for a while, but talk to him in person. He's a cool guy. All right, so prediction time. Yeah, let's do it. I'm gonna, I'll, right. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go out on a limb and pick Brandon first. Mm. Hey. I think the only one that's gonna do that. Well, especially since Solana can't spell his name correctly. Can you stop calling out what's in here? Yeah, no one can. <laughs> no one can see the Google sheet aside from like, us, you jackass. Like Andre would have been fine if you had just not. Steve, ultimate That's troll move. He gets he gets information no one can see aside from us, and just brings it up on the podcast. I just want to make sure well, at least favorite. I put notes in the sheet. <laughs> Brandon first. Andre second, Jalen Falk third. Okay. I got Brandon first, Andre second, and Trey third. Um, I'll have Brandon first as well. Um, it would help if I can see a squat. Still, or a bench or deadlift. I mean, 
No, I mean squat. I mean squat. I like He's that's a, a new haircut. That's pretty cool. Like we still mm, that. Me and me and all right. So I don't. I I didn't tell him about like the, my opinions on this meat. I've definitely given my opinions on his haircut. He doesn't like me when I'm clean shaven or have a mustache. I do not like whatever's going on with his hair. I. I don't I don't know what to call that hair hairstyle. I don't know, but yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it. But people are going to be gluing onto that squat to see if he figured out squat depth. So that's going to be, I think that I think if we were researching that, that would be the first thing we're going to look at. Um, but yeah, Brandon, I mean, sinking his squats, even taking like a really sandbag squat, will win this meet. Um, yeah, so I have him first. Andre, I am in second. And I have Trey Ricard third. All right. So, yeah, the prediction there is Andre getting the pro card from, is that from all of us? Did we all say that? Yeah. Okay. And then um, for for the female side, I think we all had Lady Die. Brandis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see. It's going to, and this is kind of the special things of those meets. It's really kind of pro card or bust. So if you're not winning that best overall lifter, you have some, you know, people who are pretty far ahead of the pack. Uh, that battle for the pro card is going to be, for me, what I'm going to be looking at the most. But, yeah, Saturday, guys, tune in to Carolina Primetime, one of my favorite meets of the year. Um, actually, this is, if you're, you're going to tune into local meets, Carolina Primetime is up there. But one of the best live streams you're going to see, some of the best performances you're going to see, great energy. Um, if you guys are in the Carolina area and you guys listen to two highlights, go to the meet. I don't know if they sold out of tickets, but go. It's 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 way more fun in person. One of the best atmospheres I've ever seen at a meet as well. Um, all right, so we talked about some good things. Let's of course bring it back to the two white lights staple and let's talk about um, things we're upset about. So Steve, you yeah. wanna you wanna spearhead this one? So the Masters World Cup was what like two weekends ago had a nice nice total of 68 lifters i'm sure the lifters who did the meet had a lot of fun but yeah it looked like a glorified local meet i mean we had six 68 total lifters in a world international meet and uh, apparently at the meet it was announced that we are going to have an open in junior worlds to which uh and funny enough that was the day after i had done that q a where i basically had stated usapl's biggest issue is they can't decide that they want to push international or they want to push the pro series and by pushing both they're just going to sink themselves and that's what they're going to do uh they need to stop the world thing it's it's a mess i don't think they realize they're splitting their own organization between two systems yeah and they're not going to beat the IPF at what the IPF's doing. They're just not going to beat them at that. Yeah, it's I, not going to happen. Yeah, I think uh, seeing that, I was it, it was a bit of an eye roll situation because I'm like, I I think the focusing on ourselves phase in this breakup wasn't long enough. I think we need to focus on ourselves and uh, not get into a new relationship, possibly with the international side. I still like the idea of opening up to international lifters for the pro series because that I think is a good, you know, aspect of professional sports is um, the professional side of bringing everyone in from all over the world. Um, 
I don't know. Like, I think you were a little bit more upset with it, Steve, because I looked at it in the sense of, I don't think they should be doing it, but I think their strategy is waiting for the IPF to screw up horribly. And, you know, maybe that could happen. Because IPF's got a 3-1 lead on the USAPL, what? and, like, they... <laughs> They, it's like okay, let's somehow let's somehow make rules that will isolate people from our federation. Fence steps, maybe sumo now, and possibly just by failing upwards, the USAPL <laughs> surpasses the IPF. So the thing is, though, even if the IPF does that, if they drop Article Fourteen, which supposedly is going to happen for coaches, maybe. It's over because the USAPL has continued to botch the pro series because they aren't putting all their eggs in that basket. They've continued to use it as a band-aid for what they seemingly want, which is to be the IPF and go international. And again, they're just going to split their competitors. And we've all talked about it and talked about it here, talked about it in stories. Anyone who stayed USAPL was very blatant in that by staying USAPL, they said they do not overly prioritized international competition and they wanted to see what the pro series could offer them, but they're just not doing that. They're, they're just, they're continuing to uh, not emphasize the things that their members are telling them that they stayed for. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, we saw it with, we saw it with the Olympia. They just had to make a post today fixing it. They, they did the stupid international meet, which no one was going to sign up for and they had to go change it and fix it to be now a raw challenge with a lower dot score because no one with the 495 dots or whatever it was, was going to do the Olympia for an international meet. No one cared about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the other thing. I'm like, I just wonder, like, is there any thought at all before they make these posts? Like how did they come up with these dots? How did they come up with these, like the criteria for the Olympia? The th- the it just doesn't make sense when you're looking at everything else. Yeah, the thing is, in- they don't even have to. They don't even have to announce all of that right away. Like registration isn't open. It's not going to be open, you know, in a week or so, where you have to say, "What well, here's the qualifications." I, I, you just, it's like you can announce that you're having a meet at the Olympia, cool, but just hold off on saying anything as far as qualifications go. And then, then you go and talk to whatever council executive board member you have and just try to understand, okay, what's an appropriate dot score for people to do this meet? Then you make your announcements. It's not, it's, well, it's not a difficult thing. Going back to the Masters World Cup, exactly what I expected. Uh, take a guess of how many international lifters competed at the, the Masters World Cup. Three. One. Yeah. Yeah. This is just the IPL. Pretty we always, much. We would make fun of the IPL as being the, the dumb world meet. Like, if you're USA, USPA doing the IPL World Championship, because it was the dumbest thing ever, because it was just American lifters who wanted to say they went to Worlds under the USPA. It's, that's all this is. Like, it's not international. It's just USAPL putting the name Worlds under it. This is so premature. Yeah. As well as just, it, yeah, I don't know. I hate all of it. I hate every yeah. aspect of the USAPL trying to be an, an international federation and have world meets already. Yeah. Couldn't be me. I would never do something like that. Never compete in a federation and then compete in a, you know, like a, a much lesser IPF meet. Uh, At least yours was in a different country. Yeah. 
And he didn't. Uh, IPL has been in Ireland before. I've seen that before. It, it has been in the UK and Ireland. So, I, you know, it. I agree, though. Actually, but, like, the idea of it, this is something, this is kind of my idea, where I would like Worlds to turn into something like a World Cup, where it's only team-based, and it's only... Or, I mean, the, the priority is it being team-based and you represent your country, much like soccer has its World Cup and uh, baseball has a World Baseball Classic now. Um, and I also well, guess the Olympics... isn't a team sport, though. It'll, it'll, I don't think it'll ever happen. Sure, uh, but, golf isn't, but a so- team, golf isn't a team sport either, and Ryder Cup is fantastic. People love the Ryder Cup. It's, yeah, Ryder Cup is good, it's, but it also had to be... You have to change how golf is played to make the Ryder Cup good. Exactly, and you have to... I I don't see the negative in changing the way it's formatted for worlds in order to be this is a country thing, an international thing where it's country against country, not lifter against lifter. Like that's my idea of like how things should be. And then you have your championship. What about I, I don't think this would actually ever get popularity, but like if you were wanting to change it to make a individual sport actual team based and not just copy the IPF, what if you did world championships where you had each weight class, but each uh, each country had to have a specific lifter for each lift and it was actually a team based competition. So I would this, like that the too. US would Mina. the US would send Russ, uh, Nori and Angelo for the 82 and a half. We talked about this um, on the uh, Duran's podcast. Yeah, yeah. We said if it was like international, that. we take, we take people from every country and then we just make it, it's lift base in every weight class. So you take that and that's where Duran's told me that, uh, that's where Duran's told me that um, Kuntz would uh, pull me by 20 kilos. And I'm like, okay, well, that's something, I guess. To me, that. that yeah, no, I love fun. that. I love I that idea. I don't know. I don't know if that would catch on, but if you want to do something, in, like you're saying with the Ryder Cup, you can't. Like the Ryder Cup works because you made it a team format in a different way than an individual yeah. tournament. If you want to make powerlifting a team format, you can't just have everyone just competing individually like they always do. You got to do something different. And I think the answer would be that. I just don't know if that would catch on because again, it's just too much. It's too, you can't ask someone to do nationals and the Arnold finals and maybe another pro meet and do the world championships. That's, and why, it's that's why you give other lifters other chances and, you know, people who don't take the invitation, they, you know, that's, that's where you give another person a chance and that's where you can feel like changing the format is what I like. Granted, it's like, dude, does the international format and powerlifting need to change? I would argue no, because I think it is a great aspect of the sport that we have, but then looking at the Looking at worlds and looking at nationals, I might get pushback on this one. It's about the same for me. You get about three to four really good lifters competing against each other. Um, people with super high record-breaking lifts, with high dots, with high totals. And it's to me, it's one and the same. Like, maybe the intensity of worlds is a little bit higher, but nationals has that level of intensity as well. So it's... It's something that it's something worth exploring. Is this if we have an international format, let's make it more country based and team based, um, and the individual award for the lifters, like your championship, is something like Sheffield or the Pro Series final. That is something I like. So I get. I can see it. We're I, ideas, I guys. I don't think, think it's ever going to take 
shape, but we have enough creative people in powerlifting, though, that would at least, I, I actually think the one that we suggested can be tried out and experimented with. Because, he, like, it's so it's, it's so easy, too. Like, you get, you know, a, a certain group of countries and say, if I get hurt or something, well, we can have another deadlifter just get thrown in there. Like, and they're going to be good deadlifters. They're just not going to be as good as, you know, possibly, like, Shun or me, but they're good still. So, yeah, I think there, I think there's possibilities with it. Um, but, yeah, uh, I mean, to the positive part, at least they're listening to certain things because the Olympia has changed seemingly their format. Which, yeah. which is what we bought up in Two White Lights, and that's what's happening. It's something different because, yeah, the 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 original announcement was not good. No. I, just, I mean, I'm just still going to go with no matter what. If USAPL tries to do the international thing, all they're doing is helping the IPF. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, if that's if that's a prior, I mean, after nationals, I don't know if I've said on Two White Lights. I know I said in private conversations. I'm up in the air what I'm going to do. You know, Powerlifting America could be my next route. Um, you know, the Arnold guy, I, but I love doing the Arnold. Like, I, I, I would really like to do the Arnold again. So I'm having more of that inner dialogue about what I'm going to do this year more than last year. Last year was, I'm going to do Nationals and the Arnold. I'm positively yeah. going to do this. But now I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking I'm pretty much a toss-up. Nationals has to happen. And then I'm going to give myself two weeks after nationals to really start to seriously contemplate what my future is in um, tested powerlifting. Granted, I guess uh, maybe maybe the NPL could be could be it could be the other route. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Uh, yeah, great, great competition there with an I. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I the. I think we said it on here. If if I, from what I know and everyone I've discussed things with, if the IPF drops the coaching rule with Article 14, it, it opens the floodgates and it's going to be done. Because USAPL, unfortunately, I think the last straw for a lot of people was that they included equipped in the in the same meet as the finals, and that was like, okay, they're just they're never going to listen. Um, they're not going to prioritize what is their money maker, and, and so I think if they drop the coaching thing it's over like every everyone who's at an elite level is going to switch over yeah well i don't know as well as i, I can I've heard of, of, I I've can heard switch of a between lot of, it too though right one of one of the one of the downsides we talked about uh from going the ipf route is that that's all there is like there's nothing else to do yeah. other than nationals and worlds and from what i sheffield is a new thing but obviously only certain people can do sheffield i've heard other rumblings of some additions that are going to happen in the u.s that probably would take away that argument to where elite level lifters can go over to powerlifting America and the IPF side and have plenty of options throughout the year. Yeah, I've heard that as well too. So could be, and then you could commence my plan if you're the USAPL, and I will keep saying it on air. I'll keep saying it on the podcast. Take the USAPL and move everyone to powerlifting America, and then in five years we'll go into the same issues, and then we'll just make another federation. Perfect. I, it, we have an easy out here. And it's, it's available. So the USAPL, if you're listening, we can do this. It's going to be hard getting up the logo, and I think the USAPL sounds awesome. But well, if we just move all of us to and Like USAPL Australia. We have to give up all these country names being called USAPL too. Yes. That is that, not on my that's, highest that's priority tough. of concern. <laughs> that, is, that is a sacrifice I am willing to make. 
because uh, I'm already in this, the boat. If we're going to do an international thing, let's just please call them their own country and stop saying USAPL Australia because it's really making me mad. Just in general. It just, the, the, well, yes. the name well, USAPL done, Australia which, still triggers it, me. Was it China or Hong Kong that had the change? Was it just China? I think it was that China. Or was it Hong Kong? I think it was China. They did it. They did, they did. That, honestly, yes, it was because of a political thing and it's stupid, but they honestly did the right thing. Is From the get-go, every single country should have had their own name, but it should have all been within the same logo design. That's the key. If you all had the same template of logo design that it had to fit into, so when you saw it, you thought, oh, that's the USAPL affiliate, but they had their own name, it would have gone so much better. But that's a whole marketing thing outside of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, next. I mean, the other big news, I think, uh, yeah. Burke era. I All right, so I'm going to stop you there. We have a golden opportunity to use one of the best calls in wrestling history. JR calling it the Austin era after he beat Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 13, and he was screaming, it's the Austin era, it's the Austin era, and we're just going to the Perk era. His name is Austin Perkins. Let's just call it the Austin era and make it sound cool. I, I don't know if there's like an anime reference to Perk and era or something, but we're missing a great opportunity to get like a good soundbite of JR screaming, it's the Austin era. We have to lean into you should it. Have post, you should have posted that. I did. The leader of the movement. I did. I put JR, and I put... Well, hold on. we got to stop saying it, too. <laughs> just, just in general, because he still hasn't surpassed that with total. And it's it's always dangerous doing playing this game, where you're saying, yeah, it's the Austin era. Perkins is new king. It's like, well... Hold on, hold on. There were some people that were saying he's the greatest, like, 75, 74 of all time. That is not correct. If you're talking who is the best 74, 75 today, because we have to understand, like, some people can be the greatest of all time. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time, but he's not the greatest basketball player today. He's not anymore. It's not his era anymore. Yeah. Like, it's LeBron's era. And LeBron is about to pass the torch, and we're going to see whose era is it next. Yeah. I do agree that it moving forward, it is the perk era. Yeah, the torch. I mean, we all knew it though. The torch was going to be passed at some point to Atwood to perk. I I think Atwood might have even said it on a pod. I could be wrong on that, but you know, perk is outrageously young, and Atwood is in his almost his mid thirties. So that's just a natural thing that's going to happen within the next two to three years. But yeah, perk. Had himself a beautiful meet, uh, 825 total, lifts looked ph- phenomenal. I knew he was going to have to monster meet after I saw his squats. His squats were to depth. He was killing it. His squats, his squats were locked out. His benches were paused. I'm like, he's going to total 825 this meet. And I know I think his plan was to go higher, but I knew 825 was definitely there for him that day. So he killed it. I'm going to say right now he inspired me. Because it wasn't too long ago that Perk had that hernia that took him out of commission for a really long time. Um, I'm going through some injuries myself, and it's like you know if this child can do it, um, I think me, I think myself can overcome a back pain and hopefully put together a good prep for nationals. But uh, yeah, it was it was an inspiring performance uh, based on the reels that I saw. Unfortunately, there wasn't a live stream for it. Um, if there was or one performance. Or lifting cast, yeah. I mean, but if there's one performance I really wanted to watch, like in the past month or so, it was definitely Perk because I knew he was going to kill it at this meet. Yeah. 
Well, but yeah, we're not going to get to see the head-to-head battle. I mean, Atwood, it's going to happen uh, eventually. Tried to make, he tried to make a statement post today with the 683 deadlift, uh, yeah. and rightfully he should. We'll see what he does at Worlds. Obviously, we're going to have a Worlds uh, preview show very soon here next week because we got it upcoming. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we we need to see Perk do it on a big stage because he seemingly hasn't had his best meets at like a national level meet or a pro level meet it's been kind of at these local style meets we need to see it at nationals but like based on how that went if you if you try to tell me he's going 840 at nationals that's not a hot take i'd be like that's that seems very doable Mm -hmm. like he looked like he maybe had 840 that day with how much you had left in the tank on squat and deadlift yeah i i would agree with you on that one steve and all yeah and you're right like he He's never won Nationals Open. Perk has never, of the amazing career he's had already, and he's got, he's he has an electric career too because a lot of it's equipped, collegiate stuff, but then there's some injuries. This guy has had like a decade's worth of powerlifting experience, and he's not even, he's like 24 years old or something. He's like 23, 24. He has a, like all the stuff he has to deal with so far in his powerlifting career is something a veteran, like a long-lasting veteran has had to deal with. You know, ups and downs of his career already, bad meets, poor performances, uh, but also incredibly good performances. The 800-kilo performance, the 25 performance that he had. Um, you know, that Nationals were, Atwood told 838, Perk had himself a great day. I mean, 2019 Nationals, that was, the, the story of that 2019 Nationals was more so Perk getting second than Atwood getting first, because Perk was 19 when he was able to do that. Like, this guy has had himself a juggernaut of a career, and I think the only appropriate end to this career is him being crowned the the next GOAT, the next best of all time. Because right now it's Atwood, as far as tested lifters go, um, and I think it's it's going to be Perk very shortly. And then I can... Then I can say the Austin era is here. But I do want to see those two go head-to-head before we have a Ray Williams, uh, Jesus Oliveira situation where it takes forever and it never happens. And then even if it happens now, it's not even going to be a good competition. Like, we got to yeah. get it within the next two years. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, I mean, uh, a lot of scenarios happening, but it sounds like it's very plausible for next year, especially if they drop the coaching role. So, But, yeah, and- I mean, best – go ahead. If Perk at Nationals hits 840-plus, what does that make him? Like, is he the greatest if he does that at Nationals, but I was not there? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, if, he, if he takes Atwood's that total have, that of the greatest... competition in his meet. Yeah. It, it, would, it would be the same situation. Now, he doesn't have the pred- pedigree of... I mean, I guess you're going the LeBron-MK debate, which, by the way, I love this debate way more than... Atwood and Hack. I hate the hypotheticals of Atwood and Hack because it's like one's on steroids and one isn't. Like, can we stop arguing this? It's annoying. This one's actually good. They're the same weight class, doing the same amount of numbers, or they're close to the same realm here. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if you go above 838, which is crazy that we're saying that, again, because the 838 total from Atwood still is cemented in my memory as being one of the best performances of all time. It was the best performance until Jesus, and I would still say, like, Atwood... There's an argument to be made still about Atwood's 838. If Perk surpasses that, then absolutely. Like, 
I would qualify him as the greatest of all time. I don't even think he needs a pedigree in order to do it because I don't see any 74, 75 kilo lifter in the world coming close to that. Until well, the thing about powerlifting is until it happens it's a, again, it's a, until some free. It's objective numbers. <laughs> what do you mean? Like powerlifting, powerlifting is objective numbers. It's not like Michael Jordan versus LeBron and trying to yeah. compare two people who played in different areas and team sports, where like you, you legitimately cannot truly compare them. Powerlifting, as long as I mean they're done at a national or and or world level, where we know there's a certain standard of judging. It's objective. Like, if you total more than the other person, even if you're from different eras or different years, like, it's pretty easy to say, oh, this person's better than this person. Like, that that's just how it is. Like, it, it, I mean, there is an aspect if you go head-to-head and, like, you know what, if Atwood hit 830, 8.5, and he had to do that beating someone who hit 835, that is a little bit different. But Atwood, I mean, if we're comparing Atwood and Burke, Atwood didn't have competition that year. It was at a national level meet. Mm. Burke hits 840 at a national level meet without go, any competition. Going in going mess. into that meet, we did think that Perk was going to give him some sort of battle. We just weren't expecting Atwood to go 838 that meet. I was giving yeah. Atwood about 825. 838 was not in my bingo card mm-hmm. going into that no, meet. No, agree. Like, so I, I think there was competition for him, and Atwood has – I mean, 2019 would be the best example, you know, with, you know, Perk, C, um, I guess Pug proclaimed himself to be competition, but they, he has had competition, he's murked all of them, so that's why he is probably, he, not, not probably, to me, he is the best drug tested lifter of all time, um, with, you know, Jesus and Russ being behind him just a bit, uh, but I, I, and also, I do enjoy that there's an actual true good sports rivalry with this one because 2019 sucked as far as the forced rivalry between Atwood, Perk, C, and Pug. It was lame, as the young kids like to call it, cringe. It, it yeah, this one is going to be better. <laughs> it's just. It's an actual. They're both. They're both genuinely competitive with each other, and it makes sense. And there, there is an actual argument to be made about Perk now. It's not some fabricated forced thing that we're putting Perk in the same conversation as Atwood. It's a real, legitimate thing. And, um, you know, minus the repetition of Michael Jordan memes or Michael Jordan clips being posted on both of their stories. This is going to be probably the next thing I'm, my eyes are going to be glued to is Perk and Atwood. Yeah. I'm going to go on a slight tangent here because you said something I'm going to disagree with and maybe we want to argue, maybe we want to move on. Uh, I'm calling Jesus Oliveras the greatest drug tested lifter of all time already. Okay. All right. Multiple national titles, multi- world champion, multiple world championships, and the single greatest performance of all time. I, he's already solidified. He's already solidified it for me. Yeah, I, I think the only disagreement I have. I mean, it's not one of those things that makes me angry that I'm going to argue with it. Um, that'll that'll yield a passionate argument. Um, it just, yeah, it's just more so like me looking at a period of time or an era and the amount of people that have. You know, we're in a weight class with that person, and they're not looked at even as that good of lifters because of how dominant that person was. And that, to me, is what Atwood has done in his career. Like, 
Michael C. does not get the credit Michael C. deserves because of how how good Atwood was. Michael C. totally yeah. like 780, 775. 75s have started coming close to that now. And Michael C. was doing it a while ago, and people were like, yeah, you know, Michael C. kind of underperforms. Like, what? No, his best total was 780. That's how good Atwood has been in that weight class, where people have these really good totals and are looked at as just not that good because they're not even close to Atwood. Jesus, I mean, what he's doing now is incredible, but there's just not a whole lot of – he's, he's going to be victim of just not having a whole lot of people in super heavyweight. He, he does, though, in the fact that he literally destroyed a roided-up lifter. Like, wiped the floor on the total. And I think he's going to go even more. I, I honestly think I, I, I'm on the fence now, and I think by the next meet Jesus does, I won't be on the fence, is that I think Jesus, I, if we were doing a greatest power lifter of all time, I drafted number one. I think I'm pretty close to saying that over half. I'm actually I'm, I'm getting close to that. It's uh, well, with, this... how, with how unreal 25 fit 40 was. I think once Jesus does 2,600, which I think he'll do in the next year, I don't think it's a debate anymore. I think Jesus is the greatest power lifter of all time. Yeah, I, this is the the sport yields itself to just different interpretations of it as well. Very similar to boxing, right? Where people like the heavyweight champion is the best. The heavyweight champion, the best heavyweight ever, should technically be the best fighter ever, right? Because he can beat everyone else in a fight. Muhammad Ali can fucking dust Floyd Mayweather Jr. If they actually fought each other, but right? So in powerlifting, like, like hey, it's hey, Jesus versus Taylor. They're they're. He's strong. He's incredibly are, way more stronger. He's stronger than well, him. Well, no, it's not just it's not that. It's comparative to what people do on drugs. Because in Taylor's weight class, it's dominated by drug-free lifters because you likely cannot be on drugs and be in that weight class. That's a good point. When you get to the heavier weight classes like 240 and up, they're notoriously dominated disproportionately by uh, untested lifters. And the records are almost all held by untested lifters. Ray was an anomaly, but then Dan Bell beat him as likely. And, and honestly, if Andre Milanichev ever, ever went all out, he'd probably be up there too. And the fact that Jesus blew away numbers from untested that you should not be able to do because you're in a weight class that, it, I don't want to say prioritizes, that, that's not the word, right word. But you get large benefit in those weight ranges, body weight ranges, from being on steroids. He should not be able to do that, and he did it on a stiff bar at Sheffield. True. Okay. Yeah. No, no those are all valid arguments. We are talking about something completely different now. Where I thought the – because everyone's having that conversation now. The, the Austin era first, you know, Taylor Atwood, whether or not it's appropriate to call it the Austin era. I think that's a good debate for another time, but um, – yeah, currently, uh, yeah, currently, I consider Austin to be the best seventy-four, seventy-five kilo lifter in the world. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm not ready yet to call him the best seventy-five, seventy-four kilo lifter of all time. And really, I don't think he would qualify himself that as well as as confident as that kid can be. I don't think he would call himself that just yet. I think he's aware enough to know that what he has to do, um, which. Yeah, the 75 or 74, 75 kilo weight class has made a comeback because it was a little bit uh, stagnant for for a little bit there. And now uh, 
now now we get now we get more eyes on it and I'm I'm, I'm excited I'm excited for it and I'm very happy for Perk uh and yeah yeah no it's it's insane what him and Atwood did because they're just they're extreme outliers in a class that I mean they're 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 doing numbers that should be a class up I mean likely if Austin did 82 and a half kilos we'd be arguing can he could he could he possibly be in the running to win for sure top three yeah if, if, I, if, I, put, and a half. if I put an a25 total at any point in my career I would be thrown in the conversation of pop you know being a contender to win I actually kind of am still and I didn't total a25 in my yeah. powerlifting career yet so yeah he would be, and also I think perk would be a guy to actually move up the weight class because he's a little bit he's younger than Atwood where Atwood has made you know Someone call it empty promises to move up. Um, Perk has not done it just yet, but it's more realistic for him to do it at this point. Yep. I'm going to throw out one name real quick. This is like a month or so ago, but we never talked about him, and it needs to be talked about because it was an incredible meet, and I think it's very underrated. Dominique Fuqua hit 870 at 90 kilos. Well, basically 90. I think he weighed like, 90.1 or something like he did like he was 199 instead of 198 say he's 198 whatever he's a 93 kilo lifter if he was going to worlds right now he would be in the conversation yeah he's gonna be in the conversation if petrie slips up of being like very much the favorite to be second and now petrie looks like he might actually have possibly some competition at nationals so i want to throw that name out there for listeners just to be watching him because that was what he did was insane yeah yeah, had a really rough national meet. I remember Dominique. Um, I he was kind. Of, I was kind of like following seemingly the entire day of like lift to lift. Uh, but just remember having a, a pretty tough nationals meet. And yeah, we needed that in ninety kilos. We needed someone there because the, Petrie looked like he was going to dominate the weight class. You have Jamar moving down. Um, you have you know a lot of the talent kind of being in the IPF as far as that weight class goes. So. It's good to have another player in there. Um, Kwan Garrison, I, whatever he decides to do, 82 and a half, 90 kilos, who knows. But really, it was looking like ugh, the 90 kilo weight class might be a, a snoozer this year with um, Petrie kind of being the outlier. You know, maybe Andre Easter, Shreddy Collins up there. I, I, I what would you of... rather have? Would you rather have Jawan do 82 and a half and just stack it further? Or distribute it so we have eighty-two and a half and ninety be a bit more interesting. I think I, I might bias towards make it distribute it. I think I would rather see Dominique versus Jawan versus Petrie, and then we still got Russ versus Sean, uh, you, uh, maybe Kyle DeLeon, Jin, uh, and then Jamar. Possibly. And Jamar. Yeah, and Jin. yeah, uh, yeah. You can spread the wealth out with eighty-two and a half kilos, and it doesn't matter because you have Russ. Really, it could be Russ and Nori. It still gets the talks. Now there's more lifters involved. Now I think the more of the conversation is going to be Russ versus Jamar. And it's you got something always there. If you distribute the love there and have like, you know Petrie versus someone else versus another lifter, it like because the weight class can stand alone without Jawan. Like you don't necessarily. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, granted, well, it's, it, it's, he, it's, it's, he it's adds stood the, alone without Jawan for a long time. Well, yeah. Well, he ad- he added the untested, so like he's competing in untested federations. He added that little, that nice little uh, ex- exotic thing of like, okay, he's not your classic USAPL lifter. He's the guy coming in from WRPF and USPA. He's done a, a few USAPL meets, 
and can the guy who was competing with the untested boys for a long time, can he go into the USAPL and beat Russ and prove that he's actually the best 82 and a half, 83 kill left in the world, not Russ. That was kind of the intrigue with Jawan. Um, at, at this point, it's kind of fallen flat because, you know, uh, uh, competitions and, you know, competitions and mishaps uh, kind of caused, you know, that storyline to run, uh, uh, to run a little bit sour. But I think if you throw Jawan in 90 kilos, it adds still some intrigue. But, yeah, 82.5 never needed. <laughs> never needed more lifters. There is always something great with 82.5 battles. I mean, even 2019 where Jamar didn't have a great meet, people were psyched for Jamar, and people loved watching Jamar get third. Just... It's the weight class that people like to view because most eyes are going to be on it anyways because Russ is competing. And then you have the powerlifters, powerlifter Noriega competing. And now you have, you know, different people bringing in different fan bases. Like I bring my own group of people in who like watching me compete. Um, Jamar is, is that heavily influenced powerlifter. Uh, you know, Jin has definitely put himself into the scene of somebody that people want to see him either win or lose. Because he's talked so much shit that people want to see either one happen. Um, yeah, 82 and a half kilos is going to be intriguing no matter what. And Kyle DeLeon, because he's handsome. He's a good looking guy who might total more than me. We shall see. Yeah. All right, commercial gym story to finish it up? Yeah. Yep. All right. I got another new one that I added. This one's pretty short. So, uh,. One of my trainers, his name was Mike. He had this client. I forget the client's name. Let's just call him Bob. He was an older gentleman, like 70s, 80s, something like that. He was the definition of old guy who just doesn't give a crap. Um, he also could talk your ear off. Like Bob would have a whole routine where he would he would come to the gym. He'd work out. He'd talk to people for like two hours. Then he would go to this restaurant next door, spend like two hours there. And everyone knew of him as the guy that just like just kind of stuck around and just didn't give a crap and would just talk and like it was just he had nothing else to do. He just spent his whole day just like talking and going around. And he was an interesting little guy. And one day, uh, Mike told me afterwards all of this that happened. <clears throat> he, he this this guy uh, Bob always came and trained at like five thirty in the morning, so I actually never really saw him too much other than just occasionally, but. Uh, he came in and they're starting to train and Mike had started noticing uh, there was an odd smell. And uh, it, it reeked of urine. Re really bad, really bad piss smell. And so he, he was like, okay. So they, they, they switched to a different spot in the gym because he thought maybe there was something going on. And he realized it still smells like piss over here. And so he kind of got a little closer and he noticed Bob reeked of urine and so he asked bob is is everything okay and bob's like yeah i'm good and he's like are, are you sure everything's okay i something seems a little off are you do you need to go to the bathroom or anything and bob something goes something like oh no i pissed myself on the way here but it's all right i knew it was okay i'll, I'll change when i get home and yeah so he trained the entire session um, having pissed himself and just didn't care. And I believe he went to the restaurant afterwards as well and ate there and then went home. Dang. Yeah. That's, uh, you got a, you got a weird sense of respect when you do stuff like that. 
just have no – who's the – There could – and there are situations, like I understand that some the older population has some incontinence issues, but the, the difference it, – it's hard to even explain with Bob. It, it's just like he literally just dropped – like he just didn't care. Like he would have probably walked around having – his pissed his pants all day and had no care in the world because what's gonna what's the worst thing that's gonna happen? Someone's gonna notice it. I don't care. I'm old. I can piss my pants if I want to. Yeah. Uh, wait. Good life, I guess. <laughs> wait. There's um. It reminds me. Uh, I, I you know people who listen to this podcast listen to part of my take would know. I I forget his name. You know him by na- uh, the NFL analysis. Um. He's on ESPN NFL Network. Is it Mark Slareth? Yeah. He used to piss himself every game on the field. He just said he just he didn't feel like going to the bathroom during the game. He wasn't going to run. He's already sweaty, miserable, sweating through his things. So he's like, yeah, if you saw me on the field playing offensive guard for the Broncos, I was probably just pissing myself. Didn't care. It's really called- common for like mar- marathon runners do that all the time. It's really common for them or yes. iron or Ironman athletes. Like they they are gonna have to. They just gotta piss themselves. I think I did it not was- know that about Mark Slareth though. Yeah, Mark. I think it was funny because Mark Slareth also just a really good. If you guys, I mean, if you're a football fan, like really good listen guy, guy to listen to, just and entertaining, but also gives some really good insight on the sport. I think it was just unprovoked. No one asked him about it. He just said it, and we're like, okay, we didn't uh, ask you what you do during the game as far as your bodily functions, but it's good to know that we know that now, I guess. And, yeah, uh, from that, like, people kind of always allude to it, make jokes about it. But, yeah, he said every single game. He's sweaty, miserable, tired. That was one other thing. He had to pee, and he was miserable from that too, so he just peed himself on the field every game, which would help if you're an offensive guard. Like I'm not gonna engage that guy. I don't know if he just peed himself. That's a good. That's actually a really good intimidation tactic. Peeing well, that's yourself. something they do. They teach in self defense. Uh, if a female's being attacked, they tell you to just to piss yourself because no one wants to uh, handle someone who has pissed themselves. Yeah. Well, you're gonna run into a weirdo. That that might be their thing. Then you gotta. Then he, then you get, then you get two problems. So, <laughs> random thing. Yes. Do I have this right here? We may have a sleeper for Carolina primetime that we did not talk about. Great. We're only hour forty-seven minutes into the podcast. Yeah. I, I'm literally doing calculations right now because I'm seeing these numbers that were just messaged to me. Oh, cool. So right. I have. Oh wait. Okay. I think I got. I gotta change. Awesome. Love that. Uh, I'm really hoping this is point. a Steve Denovi curveball. Yeah. If these numbers are correct, this person wins, and we did not even talk about this person. Right. Tell me right now. Zebulon Moore apparently is going shooting for an. 804 squat, 485 bench, and 804 deadlift at 265 pounds body weight. Sweet. Who messaged you these numbers? I'll explain that after, but we shall see. Okay, hand up. That will be it. What's, what's the handle from this person? Do you know, even know? 
Weapon X underscore nineteen eighty seven uh, private account. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I love when that That's happens. Um, I mean, if you are going to be that person to just go in and swoop the pro card from everyone, appropriate handle Weapon X. You said nineteen eighty four. Is that when they were the born? 1980, 1987 was the wow. end of the handle. 1987. Okay. Well, awesome. I love getting an Easter egg like that at the end of the episode. We'll, we'll <laughs> see. This one's interesting. I don't know. I want to throw it out there in case this happens that we didn't overlook this. This this These preview shows aren't frustrating. Yeah, they're great. They're, 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 they they yeah, don't make me angry. For sure. They don't make me mad. Wait, hold on. Uh, really quick, because is Lori McCormick's handle Lori.lifts? Yes. Okay. Um, she just I, I just followed her, and she said, don't you dare put me on your silly little podcast. Too late. <laughs> Too late. I already did it. I was hoping I followed the right person, because getting the handles are sometimes a scary thing. Of, like, I don't know if this person is that person. But, okay, yeah, too late. We did it. What an odd thing to say when there's six people competing. For a moment. I think, I think, it's a, I think it was a joke. But, uh, <laughs> I, or at least I hope so. Or, at least she, or she really didn't want me to put it on the podcast. Like, we've mentioned her before for Collegiate Nationals, right? I, I, yeah, yeah okay. we talked about her. Yeah, so, all right. So, yeah, that's probably the thing. Okay, well, too late. already did it. Uh, Steve gave you a boiler up. I didn't really have that much insight. But, all right, that's going to do it for Two White Lights. Two-hour episode, which you probably deserve a two-hour episode because it's been a very long time. Um, you know, just a little updates. Summer break for me. Um, you know, Steve has his own schedule. Um, Solana comes on with you previews. But we're going to have IPF Worlds preview. But also... We get more time at least to get some content out for you guys. So, yeah, I might have to discuss uh, the, the format of the show with Steve um, later. But, yeah, I, you know, some ideas that I have um, that will make, you know, the school year and the summer is a little bit more digestible. But we'll see you guys next week. Peace.